Welcome to the See My Grief podcast, a Conversations with Kelly production. I'm your host, Kelly Grosslogs, and I want to welcome you to this community where my intention is for those that listen can experience healing, safety, hope, and possibility. This is a space where all grief matters. I want you to feel seen and heard and embraced. To all of you, welcome. Hello, everybody, and welcome to See My Grief Podcast. I'm Kelly Grosslogs, your host. I have to tell you, first of all, I'm so incredibly surprised you said yes, Brian, but also very honored that we get to have today not only a man who can talk to us about grief, but just an incredible spirit that somehow I came across you on social media, and you have been a beautiful, and I'll put all of Brian's contact information, and he's got a new book out that we want to talk about. I'll put all of that in our show notes. But the one thing that I remember when I came across you, I thought, oh, what's this? This guy's got some good dance moves. And then as I dove into it, I was like, wait a minute, this is dancing grief. This is what grief can look like dancing. And so it was this thing that you kind of are this morning person that we wake up to and you rise very early. And after talking to you, it sounds like you go to bed late too. So I'm not sure what happens in between, (laughs) but (laughs) Brian Martin, welcome to this podcast and truly what an honor. And I just, I'm looking so forward to introducing you to our listeners because we have people from really internationally that listen to this podcast that are looking for real and that are looking for authentic. And I, I feel like you are both. So welcome. Let's start out a little bit. If you will talk about, because you've had a recent career change and your tagline is Sea Lion Brian, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about what you did and what you do? Yeah. First, thank you very much for having me on here. I, I do appreciate it. I think it's really important to have these kinds of conversations. I don't think they happen enough. And it's stuff like this where we need to normalize it more. So thank you for what you do. But yeah, Sea Lion Brian. <laughs> so <laughs> when I was a little kid, I just, I fell in love with animals and I knew that I wanted to work with them. So I got a degree in marine biology and I minored in uh, behavioral psychology and chemistry. And then I got my first job at New England Aquarium in Boston. And I trained sea lions and seals and sea otters. And I worked with the penguins there. Then after that, I went out to San Diego. I wanted to try something different. So the Navy needed sea lion trainers. So I went out and I trained sea lions for the Navy. And then I wanted to be closer to my home in Massachusetts. So I moved to Atlanta after a few years and worked at the Georgia Aquarium. Wow. With their sea lions, uh, their sea otters. And then I got a job at a small aquarium that's down in, in Fort Walton Beach, Gulf Area Marine Adventure Park. Now, I got hired on as a supervisor, became one of the directors of animal care there. So yeah, I spent 23 years taking care of animals in aquariums and sea lions are my favorite. Uh, and so I became sea lion Brian. <laughs> but <laughs> after losing my father, and then 10 months later, losing my partner, Clayton, walking through grief and figuring out what life was, 
really gave me a a snapshot of what was important and where my time was. And um, I ended up falling in love again. And now I'm engaged. <laughs> my fiance, <laughs> I love it. He's amazing, uh, which uh, just, it goes to show you there is life after grief hits. And I just had multiple, multiple streams of income because when Clayton had passed away, I felt so I just went into a place of like pure animal instinct. I was so scared of my safety. It was right then and there. I realized that I, I had to take care of myself. You never know what's going to happen. A hurricane could come and the aquarium could be gone. How would I pay my bills? And so I started to develop. I built a business off to the side. So I always had something to fall back on. And that business grew and I started obviously writing a widowed blog that I tied in eventually that has now been published into a book. Yes. And all of these things have grown together to a point that I didn't need my 40 hour a week job anymore. I could work from anywhere. So I made the really tough decision that sea lion Brian, I was still going to stay sea lion Brian, but there weren't, there weren't going to be sea lions every day in my life anymore because they, they're wonderful animals. But as I tell people, when um, people always say to me, hey, you, you, just, you had the most amazing job, I would do anything for that. And then I said, it's a caregiver job, and the pay isn't that big. And at the end of my life, when I am in my bed taking my last breaths, the penguins aren't going to be the ones that are next to me. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And that's what you, I'm guessing that's what you learned through Clayton's Living and dying. And Brian, tell us again. No, so they only died 10 months apart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did dad die suddenly? No, we knew that he okay. was he was not doing well. My dad, my dad had suffered a severe back injury in his early 20s and had over 13 surgeries. Opioids were very popular and we didn't know the issues associated with them, but he was in chronic, chronic back pain his whole life. And towards the end, you know, the opioids, it's just never enough. They always want more. Uh, It was a big struggle. Uh, My mom is my hero. Actually, today's her birthday. (laughs) Tomorrow's mine. Tomorrow's my birthday. birthday. Oh, happy birthday to Mama Scorpio. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Mine's the 13th. So, (laughs) but yeah, he, uh, he just started turning to alcohol because he was trying to numb everything. And it just, it slowly just his body faded away and he ended up passing away in his sleep. During that time, Clayton, my partner was digging in his mom's yard um, here in Florida. And this is the weirdest part of the story. He found plastic lining under the ground where people will use it to block weeds from growing up. He reached down thinking that's what it was. And his hand went through the plastic and it, he pulled it out and it was covered in this weird goop. He ended up digging out the plastic and realized it was the previous owner's dead dog that they had buried. And it was just a Petri dish. So when he pulled his hand out, he, you know, you have that you're outside. The first thing you do, he wiped it on his leg and then went and started washing off. He started to develop ringworm on his leg Oh, Brian. And then it started spreading. And so he went to the doctor and they ended up putting him on antifungals because it had gone systemic and they kept upping the dose, but they weren't checking his liver values. And we were married. When I started asking questions of him, he said, well, that's it's the doctor. 
that's just what the doctor is telling me to do. And I'm like, I don't like this. And finally, one day I was at work, didn't hear from him and went back home and found him. He was yellow on the couch and I had to rush him to the hospital uh, where they told me he went into acute liver failure. And I had said, Oh my God. Doctor pulled me aside and said, I'm really sorry about your friend. And I was like, that's not my friend. That's my person. Exactly. And the doctor just looked at me and was like, sorry about your friend and turned around and left. So in the okay, well, middle that's of- another podcast that we could get into about the, the laws and yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, Brian, I missed that part. For some reason, I thought he was dying of liver cancer. Is that mm-hmm. what he died from? He died from liver failure due to a fungal or due to the medication. That yeah. they weren't. Oh my gosh. You know, s- grief. It's everything, right? It's just all encompassing. How does it feel to tell me that story who's never heard it before? You know, at first telling that story, probably a year after it happened, I couldn't get through it without getting teary. But now it brings up the same emotions, but it's it's different. It still hurts. It's still sad, um, but it's just, it's different. I think because now me sharing the story when you're first grieving, you're sharing your story because you're so sad. You want everybody to know that you're sad and that's okay. Some people won't talk about grief because they feel like it's a beg for attention, but that's literally, you deserve the attention. You're alone. And as people, we're supposed to come together in community to support each other. The world now has changed where people are shamed. So then you'll get the extremes, the people that don't talk about it at all, and the people that talk about it so much and they never move forward because no one's meeting in the middle. And I think people need to, they need to tell themselves that it's okay to talk about it and not feel shame because the more you do it, the more you accept it, you can't change it. It's not like not talking about it's going to make them come back. Right, right. And talking about them constantly all day and being upset and, you know, everyone's grief journey is different in a different timeline. But 30 years later, if it's every day and you can't get out of bed, you're also not accepting what's happening. And it's hard, I know. So when I realized that I could be honest about it and share, it helped me balance out the extremes and find like a good pace to move through. I honored the rough days. I celebrated the good days, even the good moments, you know, cry. And then an hour later, somebody sends you a joke and you laugh. And I think that balance and accepting it for myself and telling myself I was allowed gave me the freedom to kind of find this pace and make it easier now for me to share my story. I love that. And you know, before you and I started recording, we talked a little bit about this concept, which I know many of you who are listening know, and it's in my book, about the concept of both and versus either or. So our society really likes to peg us into either or. We're either a good parent or not. We're either grieving right or we're grieving wrong. We're either successful or we're lazy. We're either blah, blah, blah. And so I don't like to look at life in that 
framework. And especially with grief, I really like, I think both and is a softer landing for people that you can be crying, like you said, and then laughing. Now we may get judged for laughing. We may get judged for crying too much, just like you said, but I think it's really important for us in grief or when we're going through a hard time to allow space for both, to allow space for us to have maybe a really hard morning and an afternoon where we feel really grateful for something. And that rather than judging that or trying to figure that out, just like allowing that, like you said, did you find, talk a little bit about, because I hear a lot from people about who they thought would show up in their grief and who surprisingly showed up in their grief. Did you find your people that could hold space for you? Yeah, it was was a very interesting situation because the grief didn't start, it didn't start the day he passed away. The grief started when we realized he was terminally ill and there was no going back. And again, this is, it's not a or, Uh (laughs) it's an an and. Uh, in a lot of ways, and I've had so many discussions with widowed people about this, but this sometimes people will will also compartmentalize like whose loss is worse, like losing a partner, losing a best friend, losing a dog, losing you know, and it's not, and it's all it hurts. So people have to stop doing that. But it was there isn't something better. It's all just tragic. So when you see people go. I lost my my partner suddenly, and that's worse because I didn't know it was going to come. Versus somebody else going, I had to watch my person pass away, and I didn't want to see them struggle. And you know, the days were long, and so it goes back and forth, and it just doesn't need to happen. That's it right. Just, it all just is terrible. And to speak on your point about those that kind of judge and try to force us into a box and they say things like, are you over it yet? Or time to move on, grow up, be an adult. I used to get mad, but now one of the things, and this has helped me too, grief is actually a gift in many ways because it it forces you to realize what's important. Because all day long, when we don't have anything to worry about, we're emotionally privileged right? I'm very sensitive with like using that word because I think sometimes it's overused, but I think they're privileged and they don't realize it because they've never gone through it. And I used to get mad. I used to be so mad when I would hear somebody like complain at work about his wife or how frustrating the children were. And I'm like, I wish I had that. I wish I could go home and the dishes were, you know, were still there because Clayton was busy painting a wall instead, I used to get mad. And then I realized, and I started to have compassion for them, is that their grief is on its way and they have no idea. And I can't warn them. And I feel so bad that they are in this bliss and they don't realize where your grief is always ahead of us. Yeah, It's going to happen. Yes. Yes. You don't want to run towards it. (laughs) But when you go through it, you really see how much those people that are just saying that stuff to you and it hurts because they're telling you to move on. I flip the script and I just say to them, I'm like, I'm so sorry that you 
haven't been through this because that just means the longer you go without any of this, the harder it's going to hit you when it Yeah, does. well, and and you bring up such a good point about grief being an opportunity for us, right? Like, it is such an opportunity. Our lenses change forever. Once you've seen life through a very deep loss, and grief is the reaction to loss, when you look at life through that, and my one of my things, Brian, because I've worked for years at the end of life, so I've been at hundreds, thousands of bedsides of people who are dying, and one of the greatest things that's been for my life personally and professionally is the dying have taught me how to live. And some people see that as an oxymoron, but it's actually true. When you, when you see life through someone's eyes who are dying, who's dying and they're seeing life differently, they're simple is profound. So there is a bird in a tree and it's a blue bird And it is an incredible color blue, even though they have seen a bluebird multiple times, to watch them look at that and be so grateful that they can see the color, they can enjoy it, knowing that it probably will be the last bluebird they'll see. I think grief, to your point, is is also true. And I it's so important because, you know, as as the saying goes, comparison is the thief of joy. And I see people compare so much in grief. I also see it go the other way where they say, oh, my grief isn't valid enough because mine isn't as bad as yours. So it goes both ways, right? And and what mm-hmm. I often say to people is that your grief is the hardest because it's happening to you. And I think that's so important for all, those of us that are sitting around in these support groups or in, in conversation, sizing our grief up to someone else's and either coming out thinking like ours is worse or ours isn't bad enough. Stay in your grief lane because that's what matters. Stay in your story, both and. You can be in your story, appreciate it, and still have the capacity to support another person, right? It's not we either our story is too big and theirs is small. If you've noticed, there's plenty of grief to go around in this world. It's a cycle every day. And we have small grief, we have bigger griefs, and your grief with Clayton and your father is what we call that anticipatory grief. So please thank you for bringing that up because I think people think they're waiting until the death or they're waiting until the divorce or they're waiting until the move. It starts once you realize it's going to happen. Yeah. And you may deny it for a little while and that's okay. And that's normal because you don't, it takes time to wrap your brain around it. And you do hope like, Miracles happen. You uh, something all of a sudden could, you know, I give Clayton the right food and supplements and his body turned around and went, nope, not today. Here we go. I'm coming back. You put that out there for a long time and it messes with your brain, but it's just part of self-preservation. It's not wrong. At some point you have to accept it. Yes, some people don't accept it until the doctor says that's it. Some people don't accept it until they're actually, they've actually passed. Some people, I mean, for a while, I would wake up and turn over thinking that a pillow was Clayton and remember everything all over again. You know, was it a big dream? And all of that is, all of that is normal, but only I can experience that for me. And so, Again, like to your point, when people start to do this comparison and when people are saying my grief is way worse than yours, I think that person, when they hear themselves say that, they really need to stop and go, why do I need to declare this? I'm declaring this because I don't feel like either 
they're not listening to themselves or they just need more people to validate it for them. That's right. Enough that they can go, finally, people, yes, um, my, my sadness is acknowledged. They just want the acknowledgement. Yeah, exactly. And, and it turns, it just twists because they're so upset into this, my loss is worse than yours, and it does. It becomes that competition. So when people, I hear people say that, again, I just say, I'm sorry that you feel that way. You must not feel understood enough, or you must not, re- you must not be at a point where you accept it and you can move forward and use your loss to help other people. I hear you. Yeah. And that's the best I can do. And a Absolutely. lot of times they just, they relax yeah. and they, they feel seen and that's all anybody really wants. Well, and that is why we titled this podcast, see my grief, because I was finding that ultimately people, everybody wants to be seen. Like you just said, Brian. And I mean, who doesn't want what's the hardest for them to be acknowledged by another human being? I mean, I, you know, rather than meet people with judgment, rather than meet ourselves with judgment, to meet ourselves with compassion. And I love the way, because it's not our job to educate others, really. It's not our job to justify our grief to people. I mean, it should just be enough that we're saying we're having a hard time and this is a really hard thing for me. We shouldn't have to get into a litany of this is why it's hard. And it's, it's been this amount of time only. And we, we need to stop that in society. And so I love your response to them because I could think of a few choice words that I would say <laughs> that I would like to say back. Remember Scorpio and Italian. So, you know, it, it's just, but really where, where it comes is meeting that with compassion is one of the beautiful ways. So I know we are wrapping up. I want to get to your book though. Will you share with us this and your cover is just (laughs) incredible, right? I mean, it's just an incredible cover. You mean this? (laughs) That, like that, first of all, it's my, it's just a fantastic picture. So people can go um, on Amazon and Mm -hmm. they can get it available on Kindle, paperback and hardcover. Oh, paperback too. Okay. Yes, but the paperback and the hardcover are the same size. They are yep. more of a coffee table size, and I did that for a reason. Um, so the book is called The Widowed Dancer, Growing Through Grief with Gratitude. Uh, and people, I picked that. It fits. It very much fits because I oh, have always loved dancing. I've never had any training. I just purely love dancing. My family always supported it. We always had music going in the house. And it was just, it was pure joy. As a kid, there was no rules. Have a good, you're just enjoying yourself. You're folding laundry, whatever it is. You're having a good time. And it was, I needed something when I was, year one was a fog. I have no idea what happened. Year two was pure anger. I was so upset and mad that the universe would have done that to me. Of course, that's natural selection, self-preservation. But the universe doesn't revolve around me. It takes a little time for you to realize that after grief, and it's okay that you feel that way. But then year three was, year two into year three was really, was the pandemic. And that was like ultimate lonely because that was right when I was starting to feel better. I was going, friends would invite me out and I would say yes, finally. And people were wanting to set me up on dates and I was going to say yes. And then the world shut down and I was so lonely. I needed something. And then TikTok came out 
And I was like, everybody else is dancing. And that was the one thing that brought me joy when I was little. And I was like, if I'm trapped here, I'm going to pretend to be a kid. I'm going to be a kid again. That's it. There's no rules. And that is what got me to where I am now. So that's why I called it the widow dancer. It's amazing. And it is my blogs that I wrote yep. uh, every, yep. every week for Soaring Spirits International, which is an amazing resource for the widowed community. Yes, it is. Um, and I wrote almost every Saturday for almost five years. And I put it in this book, not as like a how to get through your grief, but this was my journey. And if it helps you along the way, if it makes sense to you at all, if you read these words and they're what you needed, because that day you are in month six of year one and it's making sense and you don't feel as lonely because you feel like stuff, I'm walking right next to you, then my grief is going towards something good. I wanted the book to be colorful. I wanted the book to be the size that it is. So when people opened it up, it was easy to read. A lot of people who are grieving are older. I wanted the font to be a little bigger to make it easier yes. for people to read. Yes. It's, it's I, very I wanted thoughtful. People to think into it. I wanted people to just be in the journey. I wanted the pictures to be in color because I felt like if it was all in black and white, it was going to just be death. And we were living. We were living. And even after he passed away, every day that I kept going, I was living and there was color. And so I just needed people to see the past, the present, and the future. And if they open this book, if it could just give them hope that there are smiles on the way. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. My losses. It's, it's, it's okay. incredible. It's incredible, right? And I love the blue you picked on the cover. I will put the link definitely to the show notes, but I encourage people to check it out. Brian's writing is beautiful. I would also encourage widows to check out Soaring Spirits because the amount of resources for people and for you to be so open and authentic and transparent as a man also is a huge kudos to you because we do a disservice to men in this society when it comes to emotions. And I really hope that the men listening to this are going to find you on social media. They're going to find your book. They're going to look at you as an opportunity and as a model of that men can be sad and men can be happy and men can talk about their feelings. And that's just what's beautiful. Give me kind of the 30 second as we wrap up what you have learned from your grief and when, uh, and then the next part of that in six months, what's one word you hope for your life? Ooh, what I've learned the most because of grief. <sighs> oh goodness. Um, well, <laughs> know, right? People like to separate, obviously like you need opposites, black and white, darkness and good, you know, good and evil. I learned that really life revolves around two things, grief and joy. That's where it all you're, you're, you're in one, the other, or you're fluctuating between both. When you are only in joy, you, you really don't know what you have and you start off in joy. 
And then grief is introduced as a lesson for you to always be appreciative. But the thing that people forget and what I remembered, like I said, I used to love to dance when I was a kid. I can generate my own joy. I have the the ability to do that. I can't look for that. I can't look for the answers from anybody else. So what I learned in grief is that I... I need both in my life in order to really appreciate my life. But at the end of the day, I'm in control and I can generate joy from within. And that's contagious. Yes, So that is. is what I have learned so far on my grief journey. Well, and your metaphor is beautiful when I think of you, Brian, because grief and joy do dance together. They have to, right? They have to dance together. So one word that you want to manifest for the next, in six months, when you think about where you're at, even from a grief journey, what would you like to embrace? Just pure gratitude. I love that. Gratitude. Well, I'm grateful, incredibly grateful for you joining us, Brian. Um, Again, to those of you listening, I want to thank you also. You know that it's important that we all see each other's griefs, that we see our own grief, and that I will look forward to chatting with you all and um, joining you all next time. But again, a huge thank you to Brian. All of his contact information will be in the show notes. And truly, Brian, from all of us listening, thank you for giving us hope and for showing us that joy and grief can exist in the same space. So great gratitude to you, my friend, and keep dancing. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the See My Grief podcast. It is my hope that this episode resonated for you on some level and that you feel less alone, more hopeful, and gained insight. These episodes are not to be seen as a substitute for medical attention or psychological treatment. Please see your licensed providers for individual needs. Thank you so much for sharing and subscribing to this podcast so that we can continue to grow our sacred community. I will talk with you next time, friends, and please know this, I see your grief.